Let me run this by my lawyer is a really helpful phrase to have in your back pocket. Legal Shield has been giving legal peace of mind for over 50 years. They connect you to a vetted law firm in your state for an affordable monthly fee. Want an experienced set of eyes on a contract's fine print or you finally want to get that will done? Legal Shield has a dedicated group of lawyers who have your back no matter what the future brings. Sign up today at legalshield.com forward slash iHeart. PPLSI does not provide legal representation or advice. See a plan for complete terms. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael tura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts carol g juan gabriel christina aguilera what do these three have in common you mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, Ken, did you know that gold is the only currency that's held its value since the dawn of money? Well, I did. Thanks to our friends at Legacy Precious Metals, the most trusted name in gold investing. Investing in gold protects you against inflation and gives you a hedge against stock market volatility. Don't leave your retirement to chance. Call Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-691-2173. Or download your free investor's guide now at buylegacygold.com. That's buylegacygold.com. Ugh, another pointless video call where nothing gets done. I think you're on mute, David. Uh, oh, sorry, what did I miss? IT just approved Miro for the whole company. Miro? That's the... Online whiteboard for team collaboration. We can make these long video meetings so much shorter with Miro boards. We can share ideas, feedback, and updates on them whenever. Actually see what we're talking about. It's all online. Miro will make our flexible work setup so much easier with one virtual space for our brainstorms, projects, presentations. Oh, that sounds kind of amazing. So I don't need to wake up for 6 a.m. calls with the London office anymore. Now you're getting it. Don't let time zones get in the way of your team working well together. See why 99% of the Fortune 100 trust Miro to get good work done from anywhere. Get your first three boards free at Miro.com. That's M-I-R-O.com. All right, we're going to go now to L.A. County DA, George Gaston. I'm going to go through this in English first, then I'll do Spanish, and then I'll answer any questions that any of you guys may have. So first of all, I want to begin by saying I want to express my deepest uh, condolences 
to the both the uh, Paredes and the Santana family. I know their untimely death has been devastating to them and to most of us in our community. I recognize those are very difficult times, and they're difficult for many reasons. Understandably, many of us are angry, including myself, and we all wish if we could predict violence, but the reality is that we can't. In this particular case, the history of the suspect, Mr. Flores, did not contain any evidence of violence. He was basically someone that had been drug addicted for many years. He had been arrested, mostly for drug-related offenses, and almost a decade ago, he was arrested and convicted for burglarizing his grandparents' home and stealing a TV. He then remained pretty much away from the criminal justice system until the arrest in this particular case where he was arrested for possession of drugs for personal use and the possession of a gun. The outcome in this particular case, given what we knew then, no history of violence, very little contact with the criminal justice system for nearly 10 years, was appropriate. When people are arrested for serious crimes, we work hard to ensure that there are serious consequences, including lengthy periods of incarceration. But we have an imperfect system. And that's not only here in LA, that's everywhere. I know this is frustrating to hear, and it may not help heal the wounds for some. But we do not serve our community when we try to pretend that we can predict 100% of the time when these cases are going to when these cases are going to occur. Best we can do is continue to work towards a safer community and doing the things that we know that work, like providing effective intervention when people are under probation ensuring that we have transitional services when people are getting out of prison, because 95% of them do, ensuring that we have appropriate trauma recovery, working to ensure that people get employment, that they get housing, and they get the services that they need. We have been down the road of being scared and reacting harshly. I think some of us will remember Willie Horton, the horrible case that dealt to decades of very harsh incarceration and overpunishment. It never made us any safer, and in fact, many would argue that we're here today because of the mistakes that we made in the past. I understand, again, how difficult this is, but I urge everyone to ensure that we do not overreact here and that we do the things that we know that work. I want to move very quickly in Spanish now. Primero que nada, quiero ofrecer mis condolencias. All right, we'll, <laughs> we'll jump in here. That is uh, L.A. County District Attorney 
George Gascon, if he goes back to taking questions in English from reporters, and I don't know that he's going to do that, <clears throat> we will go back and rejoin this uh, news conference. He called this because he's in really deep trouble now. <clears throat> the recall effort has already reached the number of signatures that they need to put this on the ballot, but they need a cushion of 150 to 200,000 more signatures from L.A. County registered voters. And you can do that at recalldageorgegascon.com. Please do that because they need this margin. What we had there was about uh, three or four minutes of Gascon explaining to the gathered people. The reason we dumped that is because he's moving over to Spanish and we're not a Spanish language radio station. So we'll pass on that. And of course, both the police officers who were murdered and the suspect that killed them, all Latino. So I guess he found it important, probably getting a lot of coverage in Telemundo. This just devastated the El Monte community, the murder of these two police officers at the hands of a, uh, a striker. What you did not hear in that three or four minutes from George Gascon was the law. And the law, the three strikes law says, if you have a strike the way Justin Flores had a strike and you're arrested for a probation violation such as possessing a gun, you have to go back to state prison. That's what Gascon and his directives decided that they were going to ignore. In fact, a judge in an appeals court overturned that directive. It was too late in the case of Flores because his case came in front of Gascon just a couple of months after Gascon took office and was quick to move on his directives. So what happened to Flores instead is that he got a very light sentence of 20 days, which was already time served, and he was free to go on. What you heard Gascon said that we cannot predict violence and there was nothing in his criminal record that indicated he was a violent person. I don't know. Possessing a gun? And if you've seen the picture of Flores, gang tattoos all over his face? This is a dangerous person. And what we also learned late last week is that this separated wife, who I guess was staying at the hotel and supposedly Flores would stay there too, this hotel in El Monte, where this took place, which I understand is- Hey, Ken, they're taking yeah. questions now in English. Oh, okay, let's listen in. I can't even hear him though. However, the one part of this that people seem to be frustrated with is not a case-by-case analysis factor in the removal of the strike under Special Record 2008. Oh, here it is about the strike. case-by-case analysis way. So can you just please explain, or I guess defend against the idea that people have suggested that the removal of the strike, it left the office in a weaker bargaining position resulting in a lower sentence than that. As far as I know, that strike removal is not based on any factor of the case itself. Sure, I think the first thing that we have to go back is we got to look at the circumstances in this case. Uh, we had an individual that has been drug addicted for many years. Yeah, he's he just a drug addict. He has been arrested multiple times for a variety of low-level offenses. The prior case was a case where he stole a television by breaking into his grandparents' home, and he was high at the time. He went through a lengthy period of time without any contact with the criminal justice system. The current case, he's arrested for possession of drugs and possession of a gun. He could have, even under the, my directives, he could have gone to jail. As a matter of fact, 
had the case been set for trial, it's very possible that he would still be waiting for a trial date. He was on bail. He was out on bail for a extensive period of time. We can if the thing to death. There are certainly many opportunities where a, a catastrophe, a tragedy could have occurred. But the reality is that when you have the history that this individual had. See, this is what we're talking the about. The outcome was appropriate under the circumstances. He's decided to override yes, the three strikes law because he doesn't want people going to jail or prison. We could have put this guy away for two and a half to three years and Gascon well, refused. Well, I think you have to look at the case, okay? The case, based on the circumstances, I think it was appropriate and it would have been appropriate regardless. How many more guys yes, is he doing this with? And then I'll come to you. Yeah, the gun tells us this is still a dangerous person, does it not? Okay, let me let me take one at a time. First of all, we use the term third striker, and I want to correct the record because this was not a third striker. It's one. Okay. Also, it's important to know that the strike that we're talking about was an unserious, nonviolent strike. Y you don't get to decide it that it's still a strike. Somebody under the influence of drugs. Breaking Doesn't into matter. his grandparents' home and taking a TV. That's what the law is. As to the issue of the appellate decision in this case, which was mixed, by the way, because actually the court says that we have to allege the strikes, but we don't have to prove the strikes. We what? are still considering this case, and I don't know what the final outcome would be. Yes. That's right. He's got a gun. Ah, good question. That's right. He's got a gun that shows he's not. I, you know, first of all, I don't agree with you with the, uh, you know, that there was a quantum leap here. Okay. Yes. <laughs> let me let me finish. You know, you've already said this four times. The thing you've ignored is the fact that by carrying a gun, that elevates the seriousness of what this. That's what I say. And second, it's a clear indication that apparently the criminal justice system had made an impression upon this guy. The possession of a gun is not considered a violent impression. Simple possession of a gun is not. But the law says you could send him away for having it. He was arrested for possession of drugs and possession of a gun, not the use of a gun. Under the circumstances, I believe that that was an appropriate outcome. So you got to wait till he kills people. Yeah, one more question. You talked a lot about the politics. You, your office has denied uh, that you were going to pay for the suspect's funeral. And this part. said that it was just politics. So you keep having to hold these press conferences and explain after these events happen, there's a major recall effort up for you. How is that not politics? How are you not campaigning? right now having to explain after all of these <laughs> tragic events keep happening. First of all, I'm not having, I'm not continuing to explain. I think it's appropriate for me. You're doing this because of the recall. To talk to the community through all of you, 
to discuss what happened and the actions that we took. You talk about this funeral payment, that was a complete falsehood that has been spread around. This man was not a victim of a crime. He is a suspect, we would not pay for his services. And we have made that very clear. This is not about explaining, this is simply about clearing the record. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, sounds like he's bailing. Look at them. Looks like he's bailing out. This comes a question in Spanish, but do we know, did he leave? Or is he standing there answering? We don't know. TV is not covering it. Oh, I see. We just got an audio feed. That's not him, though, speaking Spanish, is it? That sounds like a reporter. It sounds like it's a reporter. All right. Well, we'll drop out because I think George Gascon was feeling the heat, particularly I don't know who that last reporter was that made the same point I did. He's not learning any lessons. If you're just tuning in, this is a press conference that we just had on the air from the Los Angeles County District Attorney George Gascon about the shooting death last Tuesday of two El Monte police officers. The shooter, Justin Flores. This is a man with a strike on his record under California three strikes law when he was arrested for gun possession and drugs. In 2020, under the law, because he has a strike, he can go back to state prison for two and a half to three years. In fact, he should. But Gascon decided to override that, declaring this as a nonviolent person. He hadn't had contact with the criminal justice system for years. And the reporter asked the same question I did. I think uh, having a gun, and the other thing I didn't get to, and uh, we'll take a quick break and I'll come back and get to it, but is that apparently he was also facing a possible revocation of his probation for this whole domestic violence thing with his separated wife. So we'll talk about that when we come back. Uh, we're going to also see if one of our reporters, Blake Trolley on the scene, can get a question in to Gascon, but the whole thing might be over. But I'll, I'll give you more when we come back. Also, apparently, look at that. I was just handed this. We have money. The cash contest has returned to KFI. You'll have a chance to win 1000 bucks. John and Ken show on KFI, and I the law says you could send him away okay. for having it. He was arrested for possession of drugs and possession of a gun, not the use of a gun. Under the circumstances, I believe that that was an appropriate outcome. So you're going to wait until he kills people. Yeah, one more question. You talked a lot about the politics. You, your office has denied uh, that you were going to pay for the suspect's funeral. And this part. said that it was just politics. But you keep having to hold these press conferences and explain after these events happen, there's a major recall effort up for you. How is that not politics? How are you not campaigning? right now having to explain after all of these <laughs> tragic events keep happening first of all i'm not having i'm not continuing to explain i think it's appropriate for me you're doing this because of the recall to talk to the community through all of you to discuss what happened and the actions that we took you talk about this funeral payment that was a complete falsehood that has been spread around this man was not a victim of a crime he is a suspect. We would not pay for his services. And we have made that very clear. This is not about explaining. This is simply about clearing the record. Thank you so much. Thank you. Oh, sounds like he's bailing. Look at them. Looks like he's bailing out. This comes a question in Spanish, but... Do we know, did he leave? Or is he standing there answering? We don't know. TV is not covering it. Oh, I see. We just got an audio feed. Yep. 
That's not him, though, speaking Spanish, is it? That sounds like a reporter. Sounds like it's a reporter. All right. Well, we'll drop out because I think George Gascon was feeling the heat, particularly I don't know who that last reporter was that made the same point I did. He's not learning any lessons. If you're just tuning in, this is a press conference that we just had on the air from the Los Angeles County District Attorney George Gascon about the shooting death last Tuesday of two El Monte police officers. The shooter, Justin Flores. This is a man with a strike on his record under California three strikes law when he was arrested for gun possession and drugs. In 2020, under the law, because he has a strike, he can go back to state prison for two and a half to three years. In fact, he should. But Gascon decided to override that, declaring this as a nonviolent person. He hadn't had contact with the criminal justice system for years. And the reporter asked the same question I did. I think uh, having a gun, and the other thing I didn't get to, and uh, we'll take a quick break and I'll come back and get to it, but is that apparently he was also facing a possible revocation of his probation for this whole domestic violence thing with his separated wife. So we'll talk about that when we come back. Uh, we're going to also see if one of our reporters, Blake Trolley on the scene, can get a question in to Gascon, but the whole thing might be over. But I'll, I'll give you more when we come back. Also, apparently, look at that. I was just handed this. We have money. The cash contest has returned to KFI. You'll have a chance to win 1000 bucks. John and Ken show on KFI and more on George Gascon's news conference, which you understand he just ran out on the reporters after he didn't like the, the theme of the questions in a moment. But now, ah, your chance to win 1000 bucks. Now, your chance to win $1,000. Just enter this nationwide keyword on our website. Bonus. That's bonus, B-O-N-U-S. Enter it now at KFIAM640.com slash cash. Powered by Sweet James Accident Attorneys. If you're hurt in an accident, winning is everything. Call the winning attorneys at Sweet James. 800-500-5200. That's 800-500-5200 or SweetJames.com. All right, winners are notified by email, so no need to wait for a phone call, but you might want to check your spam junk folder to see if you won. Your next chance to win is next hour. KFI is giving away this $1,000, 9 a.m. to 5 p.m., Monday through Friday. All right, so we just heard from George Gascon, the L.A. County DA, a press conference that lasted all of about five minutes, and then he did it in Spanish, and then he took a few questions, and then he ran off is basically the theme was the killer of those two police officers in El Monte. Well, we just can't predict what people are going to do. And Justin Flores, of course, was nabbed for having a gun. And since he already had a strike on his record, they could have sent him back to state prison for uh, two and a half to possibly three years. But instead, thanks to Gascon's policies, he was given a break, got 20 days in jail and two years probation. We're going to talk once again to John Lewin. L.A. County Deputy District Attorney was on our show last week. Uh, he's uh, got some incredible insights, and he decided to go very public with his objections to Gascon's policies. And we're going to get his comments on the news event that was uh, just aired here on KFI. John, welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Uh, yeah, what was your take? Mine was, you know, when you heard one reporter say this, well, you know, he's got a gun. A gun indicates he's not changing. How come you didn't apply the law? Well, what is so disingenuous about the entire presentation is that what people need to understand is his policy was very clear. All strikes are to be dismissed. They are not allowed to be alleged. All of them. That doesn't mean all strikes that we look at and say, well, his record is bad, we should keep it, or his record is good, we should 
let it go. It means all strikes. So when he talks about the facts about, well, it was grandma's house or whatever it was, that is completely disingenuous because the policy was they dismiss it and don't even look at the facts of the original crime. So what he's basically trying to say is, is, well, I ordered all my deputies to dismiss every strike, to not file any new strikes. But it turns out that had I actually looked at the facts of this case, I probably would have done it anyway. So it's disingenuous. It's untrue. My favorite comment was, and I don't know about you guys, but apparently being a gang member with your gang tattooed on your face, having a prior strike, and now being caught with a gun is not a violent crime. Yeah, I, <laughs> that was remarkable. I mean, he, and he kept put, oh, by the way, to your point, he did say with his directives, there's not going to be any exceptions to this. So what, well, no, what, right. it's, it's not even that there's no exceptions. It's that they don't even look anything about the prior offense. So what he's trying to basically say now, it's similar to what he's doing with the funeral thing. So he's now saying, even though his policy says, listen, if you're killed by police, we won't look at the charges, whether they're filed. We won't consider that. So now his out is, is that basically they ruled it a suicide because apparently he ended up shooting himself. So that's why his policy wouldn't have applied. But if you read his policy, if it turns out that he had been killed by the police who shot him seconds later, apparently, uh, we'd be paying for his funeral. So again, here's what we learned. We learned that George Gascon will get up there and he will say anything, anything that he can. And the only safety valve on that is are people going to look and analyze what are his policies, what has he said, and how is what he is saying untrue? Because in the end, guys, and some stuff's pretty obvious, he just told Los Angeles that a gang member getting caught with a gun is not a violent crime. I guess he had that gun, guys. Um, Maybe it was a part of his community service. Maybe he was going to use it to escort little old ladies uh, through dark alleys at night. Yeah, self-protection. Well, self-protection, probably the protection of others. It's insulting. It's dangerous. And I think the voters in Los Angeles are going to understand. I think they get it. Uh, Today... He looked like he wouldn't answer questions. Who asked the first question? I, I, I couldn't see. Yeah, I, I don't have the, uh, we didn't have the video on any audio feed, so we'd have to go by the voices, and I wasn't sure who it was. But I just want to repeat something that you said, because I think it's important for the listeners to learn this, because he tried to make it sound like in this news conference that we took a look at Justin Flores' background, and we decided that the burglary was nonviolent, and therefore that's why we treated him the way we did in 2021 when we gave him the probation and 20 days in jail. But what you're saying is, oh no, he had a policy that the guy's got a strike, you you don't worry about it, just dismiss it. Doesn't matter, don't, like almost you said, you don't look into his background, you don't see whether or not he has any violent crimes in in his history. Let me not pussyfoot around. That's what you call a lie, an untrue statement as it's coming out that he knows is untrue. The policy said we have to dismiss every single strike. We can't allege any new strike. That was his policy. And the only reason to change is because the Court of Appeal, first the Los Angeles County Superior Court judge, said you're breaking the law. You can't do that. 
Then the Court of Appeal heard the case and said, you're breaking the law. You can't do that. So the idea that somehow he made a reasoned determination looking at the guy's history and that because – notice how he talks about it was, it was grandpa's house or grandma's house. Exactly uh, right. It's yeah. a residential burglary, and you have a gang member now going around with a gun. What's the guy's criminal history? Has he released it? By listening to him, it sounds like uh, in the meantime, I guess he was maybe going to college. Maybe he got his Eagle Scout in the, in the meantime. Uh, I wonder what the criminal history is. I also got to ask see, this. I, I, I don't know what it is. I'd he's, be very interested. I, I hope somebody finds out. He's been DNA, DA a year and a half. How many other guys have been treated like this and are roaming the streets right now? That's what I wonder. Well, we're going to find out because what's going to happen is, and particularly with his juvenile policy, where these guys basically end up getting released. We don't do anything to them uh, in their prime crime committing ages. We're going to be seeing the negative implications of George Gascon for years to come. As And it's true. I, I watched, and it was, it was heartbreaking. I watched Officer Santana's mother and father. Uh, it was heartbreaking. And I can tell you, I speak for so many prosecutors in our office. We are ashamed and we are embarrassed to be associated with this. All right, John Lewin, thank you very much for sharing your thoughts with me. I appreciate it. No problem. Thanks, guys. All right, that's L.A. County Deputy D.A. John Lewin, who was on our show last week to make his case against his boss, George Gascon. We have more on that coming up. Johnny Ken Show on KFI. We were covering this hour a pretty brief news conference by L.A. County District Attorney George Gascon, who spoke for about four minutes in English, then switched to Spanish, then took a few questions, then ran out. Didn't, I don't think he liked how the questions were going. This, of course, all has to do with the murder Last week of two El Monte police officers, one of them was Joseph Santana. We had his mother, Olga Garcia, on the show last Friday where she spoke about her son and uh, her anger over the L.A. County D.A. because it was his policies that left this guy Flores on the streets. You know, people passed three strikes for a reason. They're worried about, they were worried about career criminals. It all started when Polly Kloss was kidnapped up in Northern California by a man by the name of Richard Allen Davis, who had had a long criminal record, but he kept getting released. People think that there should be consequences for cumulative violations. That's the idea behind the strike, the three strikes laws. This Justin Flores, as Gascon just tried to dismiss him as just a, just a drug user, and a gang member who had a gun. And more recently, probably would have been <clears throat> found uh, in violation of probation because of a domestic violence situation with this separated wife that was living in that hotel. Because either she was or she wasn't stabbed a couple of days before, but apparently they were about to look into that <clears throat> when he opened fire on the police officers and killed them. And then, as we've learned over the weekend, he apparently took his own life, which means we now don't definitely don't pay for his funeral because he was not killed by police officers. But put that aside for a moment. Gascon's take at this news conference was, we, we, can't, we can't predict who's going to be violent, who isn't, and there's nothing in this man's record. A gang member who kept carrying a gun? All right? Druggy? You don't think there's a possibility that someone like that's going to get violent? And what did he do that was violent that we were not able to arrest him for? Because that's the thing. You know, a lot of crimes are committed 
that they were never found out about. And I'm not saying Flores did a lot of violent things, but you have to understand that somebody riding this train, a gang member holding a gun, is probably not up to any good. So we do have some audio. Apparently, as uh, Gascon was trying to flee, someone did ask the question about the mother of Joseph Santana. Her name is Olga Garcia, blaming Gascon for her son's death. Mr. Gascon, do you have anything to say to the mother of uh, Monte police officer Joseph Santana who's blaming your policies for her son's death? Well, I was just told about this audio, so I apparently doesn't answer the question, or is he answering it in the background there? I, I couldn't tell. Whether no, he or just not. walked off. He ignored the uh, the question, of course. Uh, this Flores was considered a felon. This was a conviction for burglary. It led to a two-year term in state prison. Gascon tried to write it off. Oh, we just stole from his grandparents because of his drug habit. He has a dozen other prosecutions. Many resolved with no contest pleas and probationary sentences. Yeah. See, that's what people didn't like about the system. One of the reasons they tried to reform it with three strikes laws. You're going too soft on these guys who, when they know you're going to go soft, will continue their criminal ways. They have no consequences to fear. Flores appears to be one of them. Had no problem walking around in possession in a gun. I don't know what the circumstances were that led to his arrest back in 2020, but the charge was being a felon in possession of a firearm. It says following an arrest in March of 2020. Well, there must have been a reason he was arrested. Maybe it was a drug case. Maybe it was something more serious. But they dismissed the other counts, and uh, he entered a plea, one for being a felon in possession of ammunition, another of being in possession of meth. And because of Gascon's policies which ignored the fact that he has a strike. I just talked to John Lewin, a deputy DA, and he made the point that's worth reiterating. Gascon, when he took office with his directives, didn't want any exceptions. And this case came up just a couple of months after Gascon took office. And what John Lewin was saying was, prosecutors were told, deputy DAs were told, strikes are just ignored, all right? Just take this case on the basis of what it is today, right? Oh, all right, well, he's just a felon in possession of a gun. He didn't use the gun. He didn't kill anybody. All right. That's non-serious. That's non-violent. Let's go as soft as we can. And that's why he got the 20 days and the probation. That's who we're dealing with. And the point I made, and I, I, you know, I wish somebody out there in investigative reporting could take a look at this, but there's got to be a lot of other guys that have been treated like this. They're loose. They're on the streets. That's what's leading to these rising crime rates. We've said this before, but recidivism is pretty constant. It's often the same group of criminals who recommit the crimes over and over again. As many, we don't find them responsible for crimes. We don't arrest them. But the ones that do, we often find out, of course, they have a criminal record. And the idea behind three strikes, particularly with a subgroup of these guys, was to do something bigger with them in terms of consequences. What Gascon is trying to do is reverse all that. Ignore the strikes. Ignore the background. One of the things we learned in the last 10 years was let's not consider why they were in prison before. Because, you know, I, they served their time. They're reformed. Just tell me what they're responsible for right now and we'll just judge them on that. You can't do that. 
because people like this can be dangerous for life. And again, as that reporter asked, he's a gang member. He's carrying a gun. He hasn't changed his ways. And now apparently he's uh, threatening and perhaps stabbing his separated wife. All right, more coming up on the John and Ken show here on KFI. And uh, you just heard Deborah Mark read the breaking news. Um, <clears throat> Bill Cosby has been uh, found liable in a civil trial in Santa Monica that he did sexually batter a woman by the name of Judy Huth at the Playboy Mansion. The year was 1975 when she would have been 16. Cosby... 37. And what did you say? $500,000 was the award? Is that yep. what I heard you read? Yeah. Uh, I, I, I would imagine this will be appealed, and I don't know that that's a lot of money anymore to Cosby. I have no idea what's left of his fortune. I don't think the Cosby show reruns are anywhere now, are they? I haven't. I have not. Do you not, see them on streaming? Or? No. I wonder about that. I don't, think, uh, they're, I don't think they're on any of the cable channels, but I don't know if any of the streaming networks have decided to run them. If that's considered taboo. Uh, it was a two-week two trial, and one of the things that probably helped her is that she had two other women who testified under, uh, under oath, a Kim Burr and a Margaret Shapiro, that uh, Cosby forced himself on them when they were teenagers that same year. Now, Cosby wasn't there. He just had a lawyer there to try to attack the women's credibility. One of the things that happened to Huth is that apparently she first said it was 1974, but she revised her story to 1975. But her story was consistent. She and a friend who was also testifying, and that helped her case, Donna Samuelson, said they met Cosby while he was filming the movie Let's Do It Again at a park in San Marino. And Cosby struck up a conversation with them and eventually took them to the Playboy Mansion. And uh, she claims when she came out of a bathroom, uh, Cosby called her over to a bedroom and uh, took advantage of her without her consent. She was pretty graphic when she was on the stand about what he did. She told the jury uh, this was very forceful. It was not what I wanted at all. I had my eyes closed at the time. I was freaking out. The only thing she didn't testify to, which surprises me a little bit, is that he apparently didn't drug her. I don't think she said anything about being given a drink that had any, anything in it that uh, you know made her uh, woozy. Her friend corroborated her claim in her own testimony. Um, the friend is now a company owner who also volunteers on a mounted search and rescue team in Bear Valley. She said she had no financial stake in telling her story and simply wanted to support her friend. She said Judy Huth told her about the alleged attack while they were still at the mansion. She could clearly see her friend was distraught, crying, begging to leave. Of course, the question still comes up. 1975, and you just brought up, I think the civil matter was brought up a few years back, but why so long? But uh, one of those things that she says kind of got suppressed. She said she persuaded Huth to stay to take advantage of the uh, free food and amenities at the Playboy Mansion. That was wrong. That was selfish of me. And the closing argument, uh, Huth's, law Huth's lawyer says Cosby laid a trap for Judy Huth. I suggest to you that this was planned. They were at the Playboy Mansion because he wanted to engage in sex. He didn't care that they were minors. Um, the defense basically tried to just pick 
at Huss memory. I think it was about the timeline and she claimed she was playing a Donkey Kong game in the Manson's game room, but that game was not released until a few years later. So they were trying to poke holes in this, but I think it really helped her that her friend was there and backed up her story because people say, you know, if this happens to you, even if you don't go to the authorities, you should tell someone so that you have somebody who can cooperate the fact that this happened to you. All right, when we come back, we'll be talking to uh, L.A. City Councilman Joe Buscaino. They did pass this ordinance. I wonder if it's kind of playing at the margins, dealing with bike shops, chop shops, bicycle repairs, and public places. It's coming up next on the John and Ken Show on KFI AM 640. Deborah Mark has the news now. It's never been more important to diversify your financial portfolio. Well, that's right. The S&P is down 20% from the last year, and this year looks even worse. Gold and precious metals offer a hedge against inflation and stock market volatility. And Legacy Precious Metals is the company Ken and I trust. Protect your retirement account by rolling it into a gold-backed IRA or have metals shipped directly to your door. Call our friends at Legacy Precious Metals today at 866-691-2173. Or visit buylegacygold.com. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people, it gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's Rappaport's Reality Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's reality with me, Kibi Rappaport. And me, Michael Rappaport, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. 